This is Lisa Reitzman with Street Soccer USA, and you're listening to Sacramento's number one soccer-specific podcast. What's going on, soccer fans, and welcome to the number one soccer-specific podcast in Sacramento, the Sacktown FC Podcast, an official partner with the California Storm and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Check them out at roughneckscars.com and raise your game today. My name is John, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Luis. Luis, how are you doing today, sir? Doing good. Uh, just had dinner. I actually had some uh, chickenless chicken burgers, which, you know, might not sound that good, but it actually was super good. So I'm passing, bro. Can't dinner. Yeah. <laughs> so... Today, we are honored to be joined by an agent of change in our community, and not just because of soccer. She has been a part of TED Talks, where she discusses the highs and lows of her life on and off the pitch. Joining us via the Mikuni Dreamline, it is our pleasure to introduce Street Soccer Ambassador and the Founder and Program Director for the Lady Salamanders here in Sacramento, Lisa Reitzman. Lisa, how is everything going for you? Going all right today. Stoked to be talking to you guys and spending my evening like this. <laughs> nice. So uh, right off the bat, my first question is, how did you fall in love with the game of soccer? Oh, man, it was the first. I think it was the first goal I scored, but I started playing when I was four. And something about the running around and just kind of like chasing the ball and feeling really free and energized. Um, I just kept playing. after after I, you know, whenever I'd started. And then I think the first time I scored a goal, I felt that high, you know, and you hear parents screaming and it's just like, uh, I got hooked on that. And so I ended up, you know, just chasing goals from four on. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's a good feeling to, to score a goal. And like, I, I never got to play, uh, like not, no competitive at all, but just, you know, just being out there playing some quick pickup games, it's, it's a good feeling. It's just it, you feel good. Growing up, you know, you played soccer in the region and you also played for Sac State before um, playing for the Storm. Uh, what was that like for you? And was that the path that you always envisioned for yourself? Um, no, actually, I, I feel really lucky in that I grew up in um, I grew up in Old Grove. And when I started playing soccer, there was only rec. And um you know, it was like the north, the south, the east and the west of that region. And um, I, I don't know when it was probably eight or nine when some of the parents and coaches started seeing like, you know, two or three kids really standing out on each team in each division. I mean, I remember I would score like seven or eight goals in a game. Like it was a big difference. And so some of the parents um, decided that we should have some sort of like all star team or, you know, club or select so that's that got introduced to us um i must have been like 10 or 11 and to give you some context i mean you go to elk grove now and like it's like europe like that's all they have but um when they did create a, a select team and a comp team it was like 14s and 16 so there was a few of us we were 10 years old trying out and playing with 16 year olds and it was terrifying <laughs> i was like i don't want to do that and so another parent had kind of created like a it must have been like an under 12 or it might have been the under 14 um league where we just 
you know, uh, I was a few of us that were just super athletic. You know, we weren't really technically trained. We knew how to dribble, we knew how to run, but we didn't really have the concept of like triangle passing or strategy. It was very direct. It was to the goal, but we were just super tough and athletic. So that sort of passion, like our hard play kind of advanced us into, you know, just a more competitive group. Um, but there wasn't really an awareness. I don't even know if we had knew, know, but like a college women's team or um, the national team was really far away from us. So most of the girls that I grew up playing with, we didn't even know playing pro or playing in college was really an option until we were probably in high school. And the benefit of that is that all of us stayed in the game because we were so in love with it. We weren't showing up to practice because I need to get, you know, so many touches so that I can, you know, be eligible for a college scholarship. So it kind of kept the spirit of it very pure for us. Um, and it allowed us to have some really nice relationships and kind of ambitions around the game. But um, I kind of started to learn that college might be an opportunity. Maybe I was a sophomore or junior in high school and I had a few friends playing on San Juan. So they sort of left our Elk Grove family and we're going to San Juan and we're wondering why they were doing that. And then they, you know, kind of shared, well, I want to play in college and these teams are traveling to tournaments far away where scouts are going to. Um, And so that was like the next strategy. It was like, all right, well, I want to get on a team that I can get in, you know, some exposure. And so uh, I joined a SAC United team my senior year in high school. And the goal was to get picked up so I could go to school as far away from home as I could. And uh, I think we we went to like a Arizona tournament or something. It wasn't that far away, but for us it was. And I come back home and I got an offer from the Sac State team. <laughs> Now, honestly, Sac State was the only school I didn't want to go to. <laughs> just, um, I didn't even apply. I, did, I had no desire to stay in Sacramento. And I got actually got approached by Long Beach. Um, but it turned in like I was just going to have to try out to walk on. So I got an offer from Sac State, went to the school, and was like, all right, like right, I'll go here. And then I'll plan to transfer after two years. So I'll use this as like my... And I went, uh, I went to Sac State. When I started playing, I had no intention of making any friends, any relationships. It was purely like, I'm going to go do well, and then I'm going to leave. And obviously, that didn't happen. So, um, but I, I got to Sac State, and you know, uh, we had some really strong players, and it, it was it ended up fitting me really well. I found plenty of trouble in Sacramento. I'm so glad I didn't go further away. I'm sure I'd be dead by now. Um, but yeah, it was great. Like I love playing in college. I, I had a, a coach. It was kind of a cool conversation. I, I got offered to play like ARC as well. And the coach was trying to sell me on the transfer, like come here, then you can go whatever force uh, four year you want. And my other coach um, had kind of mentioned like the, the best thing I ever did was play at a four year school. Like you'll, it will never, you'll, you may not have an opportunity like that. I'll never feel like that again. So I ended up going to Sac State and then that's kind of what it became. It was just, it was awesome. You know, I ended up getting along like with the, the other, you know, players really well. It was a really cool little community we had. Um, it wasn't too big of a school. You know, we didn't have a ton of people going to our games, but I was able to excel really well there and um, felt like 
I could contribute to the team and, you know, kind of had a couple like good breakout years, but um, yeah, I loved it traveling and, you know, going to school. It's the closest I think it ever felt like being a professional athlete. Um, but yeah, it was, it was amazing. I would, I recommend that to people all the time. I was like, if you can play in college, like do it, you, you won't regret it. Playing at the four year at division one was the closest that I was ever going to get. Well, that I ever got to playing professional and, you know, it was just really cool. Like having games outside of the state on a weekly basis or, you know, having games even at home and it being in the school newspaper and kind of people knew about it. And it was just, um, you know, I grew up in Elk Grove as a small town and although Sacramento was still pretty small, like there was a little bit more around it, um, but not too much. So it didn't, you know, make our heads too big and like overdo our egos, but it, it was definitely a cool experience. Um, I, I love like every year of it and made some really cool friends and you know, it was just, it was just a cool way to even just explore some of the parts of the United States that we wouldn't normally go to just a vacation, you know, and the benefit was we didn't really have to do any of the planning. We just had to show up with our gear. Um, and after the four years, you're like, I want to go somewhere, but like, you have no way how to, you have like no concept how to plan a trip. <laughs> it's all, always been planned for you, but you know, you just, I, I did really well there and score a lot of goals and so that made um my experience there even more positive just giving me a lot of extra confidence and um i needed a sport to accommodate like my academics i don't think i was that interested in the academic piece without that so that really helped um you kind of get through those years performing i don't know if i would have stayed in school if i didn't have soccer to play in so after leaving sac state you joined the storm um, am I mistaken there or there was time with the storm? I did. So it's kind of interesting. Um, the storm was like the most elite sort of team in Sacramento. I don't know if you guys remember when the pro league started, the women's pro league started. Mm -hmm. So, um, my senior year, I was basically being conditioned to play pro and I had some tryouts set up. And then that year, the women's league folded. So all of the women that had been playing in the professional teams dropped into their um, semi-pro team that was feeding them. So the semi-pro league, the WPSL got super competitive because now we have like our national players back in the semi-pro you know, pro league. But I actually started playing with the Elk Grove Pride first. Um, I didn't make the storm the first couple of years I tried out for them. And I didn't really have the commitment level. Like I just wasn't disciplined enough to do the training on my own. And, you know, they had pretty much the best players in the region. And so I played with Elk Grove Pride, which their goal was a little bit more to be there for high school players who were going to transition into college and get that experience. So that was where I played with like Megan Rapino. Um, Stephanie Cox was another one that made the national team. So they were on that team. Um, and then I eventually played with the Storm a few years later when it didn't have all the professionals back in it. So after your time with the Storm, um, you lost your path a little bit in mm -hmm. soccer and, and kind of your way. What caused your, your path to be, be turbulent and how did it lead to street soccer? There's a, so there's a couple reasons, I think. One was... I didn't have a backup plan for not playing professional. So when that didn't happen, 
after college, while I was still playing semi-pro, it wasn't quite the same as having that, you know, community and that team that I had at Sac State. Like, we had practice every day. There was a lot of structure. Um, Semi-pro was very, like, independent. So you, you know, you trained on your own, um, and then you played games on the weekends, but you really had to pay for everything. And the hard, you know, the most challenging part was, like, kind of like I mentioned with the the pro league sort of getting displaced, the, the level of play in the semi-pro was super high. I mean, you have, it was the highest level in the country. And so you think about how good the United States women's team is. I mean, this was a league that nobody was getting paid for and you didn't have any supplemental training. Most of us were working full time and then also trying to stay in shape that would make you better than every college senior playing. So that was a bit tricky. Um, And so that was a component. It was just sort of the burnout. It's like, I'm working 40 hours a week for the first time. I'm trying to train for like 15 to 20 hours a week. And then maybe we have games on the weekend that we were like driving to. We would drive to LA, drive to San Diego, come back, and then you go to work on Monday. So it wasn't, uh, and then you're not getting paid anything. So that was one thing that was just very different. And I stuck in semi-pro as long as I could until it just wasn't like working anymore. I I had started using, drinking a little bit more and I started like developing a bit of an addiction, just like some painkillers. And with that kind of schedule, it just wasn't like my game wasn't getting any better. And I wasn't really developing relationships with the other players. It was like we would just show up for games and play and then go back home. I think a lot of us were just hanging on to those games to not sort of let our dreams go but there wasn't really a clear path of like how that was gonna exist and so um I think the last year I played was when the women's pro league was coming back and the storm was having tryouts and I was like on quite a bit of methadone those days and so I would take a certain amount of methadone go try out for the team like needless to say I didn't make it (laughs) um but it was also kind of what I, I couldn't quit playing. So I felt like I needed to be cut. And it was like, if I get cut, then I can let go of my dreams. It's not meant to be. And then I can move on with the rest of my life. Um, but what happened was that the year that I stopped playing soccer entirely was the year that I got into drugs the heaviest. So I just didn't have that thing keeping me, you know, barely afloat anymore. So that year that I stopped playing and kind of left left it alone was like, the year that I got into methamphetamines pretty bad, just didn't have that adrenaline, didn't have that goal, didn't have that ambition. And that was in six months of using meth, man, I was in jail and like had nothing anymore. So that led to street soccer because um, the last time I got arrested, uh, I thought I was going to be in there for a little while. And by that time I was like certain that I can no longer use drugs. Like I'm going to die if I don't stop using but I didn't know like how to stop and I didn't really know anybody that was sober or anyone that had kind of dealt with that before. So when I got out of jail, I went to a rehab program. And then shortly after that, I went to like a transitional sober living place where they had a men's, um, a group of guys that were part of the street soccer USA team. And they were all kind of considered homeless because they had graduated a rehab program or didn't have like an address of their own. And they were training for a street soccer USA national cup. 
and they recruited me to play with them because they knew I had like background in soccer and these guys had never played before. They're just like, they're like, Oh, we, we qualify because we're homeless. And like, this is helping us to stay sober and it's something to look forward to. So they came after me to play and I didn't really want anything to do with it at first. Cause it's like, dude, I'm done with soccer. Like it's not my past. It's not my thing, but I had never thrown away my cleats, like my cleats and a ball was like, the only things that I had kept throughout these, you know, really tumultuous years. And so I finally went out and played with them one day and it was like, brought back all the feelings, brought back all the good highs. Like, it was just like when I was four again is what it felt like, you know? And it was just, uh, it was amazing. And so I ended up playing with them some more. We went to the street soccer USA national cup, which is in Washington DC. So it kind of brought back like that sort of traveling kind of Sac state feels road trip thing and um and that was where i got introduced to like this sort of street soccer usa culture where there was i don't know 200 or so like adults who were dealing with homelessness like at the time and uh they met us there with a lot of enthusiasm and like super happy that we made the trip and came out to be a part of the tournament and most of us hadn't felt that in a while because we were sort of at a pretty low place in our lives like I hadn't been welcomed back to a soccer field in a while. <laughs> like I wasn't getting those phone calls anymore, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and so that was like a really new feeling of just people not being embarrassed by you and not having to carry that shame. And then, you know, the soccer, some of the soccer was like pretty terrible because these are not your average players. Some of it was really good. Like, um, but overall it was this experience that kind of changed my mind on what sobriety could look like. And it just happened to include soccer again. And so this was like, this, th that, that weekend felt like destiny for me. Cause there's no way I could have known, like as a kid that even existed, you know, one, like, Oh, if I become homeless, like there's always street soccer. Like that was not a thought process. Um, and I hadn't had that much fun playing in a long time because the second that I started to think about going pro, it's hard for me to enjoy the other things. Like, my teammates, you know, if they made a mistake, like you're, you got to get out of here. You're messing us up. And so I became like, you know, just very hyper-focused on becoming pro. And I forgot all the things that I loved about the game in the beginning. So this was a cool way. It kind of reminded me of those feelings. And then it was tied to like this new journey I was on of sobriety. And it was just like, this is, I was like, this is like made for me. Like this couldn't, two worlds couldn't have collided in a better place. And it wasn't about winning. You know, I was never really about winning. I like scoring goals and I like playing hard, but I never like, you know, I was never on a championship team. We're always like in second or third place. <laughs> it's like, so it wasn't about that in street soccer USA. And it just really like, it was a good fit for me. And then kind of seeing how the, the guys and the other women in this tournament, um, you know, we're not experienced soccer players, but we're so lit up by the game. Like that was really um, grabbed onto me. And it was like, man, like I was like, I just didn't know adults who started playing as an adult. Like, it's like you play as a kid and you stay in it. So it was kind of interesting to see like how much the game was changing these people's lives. And they weren't even good at soccer. <laughs> like You never think about the kid that's sitting the bench, like getting a lot out of it. And this really changed that. It's like they wanted to have this to be a part of. They were learning about life because they were learning about the game and how it worked. And they could transfer those thoughts and those experiences into like going back to work and getting confidence. And so um, 
that really motivated me to want to like make it more available to people that I knew that were dealing with addiction and sobriety and just like didn't feel like they had anything to look forward to. So it kind of kind of became like this hook to get people um, stoked about you know their future when we weren't really exposed to a lot that made us excited about it. Um, and then you know we started like digging more to uh, grow the street soccer USA chapter so we could reach more people and we started doing it with women and then we saw really cool things happening with that and that was 2011. So um, I think 2011 was the first year we had a women's team. And we sent all these women to a street soccer USA National Cup. Their minds were blown. They came back. They started doing different things, um, you know, and were very encouraged about their life. And so we just kind of kept doing it and seeing really good outcomes, like them staying sober, getting jobs, like not being afraid to reenter the world. Um, so that's kind of like how that took off. And we were just like, well, it's working, so we should keep doing it. <laughs> definitely yeah that's that, that's that's an amazing program i mean it's it's amazing how much like the sport can can really relate to to life itself and it's always great to see you know the power of the sport you know and being able to change lives as well so it's it's great that you know we could use it for that um so i'm kind of curious what, what kind of cleats did you, were you holding on to for a long time Copas. The Copas with oh, the kangaroo cool. leather. <laughs> and they don't make them anymore. No, and they're heavy now, but yeah, it's always Copas. That synthetic leather will get you. Yeah. <laughs> pleather, pleather. They were so tore up, but like I just, I think I had, I mean, obviously I couldn't take them to a pawn shop, but I pawned like everything else that I had and just <laughs> left with Deckel, them. Deckel Keenan Copas, uh, you'll have to talk to him of the Republic. Deckel has uh, Copas. He's, oh, really? I think he, I think he takes the person who, who's made them and hides them in a, in a basement and makes them make the Copas for them. Because they're the classic, they're the classic le- kangaroo leather Copas. Yeah. Yeah. I have some like uh, turf or like indoor shoes that are Copas like this. Yeah, but they're not the same. No, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you uh, come to the conclusion of creating the Lady Salamanders? So that actually came after the National Cup that I went to, the Street Soccer USA National Cup in D.C. I got nominated to go. I don't know if you guys have heard of the Homeless World Cup. That happens every year. And so after the National Cup, they chose me to play on the first all-women's Street Soccer USA team to go to the homeless world cup. So not the world cup I wanted to play in as a child, but, uh, (laughs) the irony was so the, the humility was, was a good thing, but, um, you know, in my mind, the, the tournament was in Brazil in Rio de Janeiro and I'm like, sweet, like who doesn't want to go there? And I kind of thought like, this was like my comeback story. Like I'm going to go to the homeless world cup and like play really well because I was better than most of the other women playing and uh like maybe I'd get picked up in the pro league from there and then we got to Brazil and I met my teammates who had like no experience playing soccer ages 18 to 60 um and that was they were like the inspiration of it all because like I mean the ability that like the other teams had in the other countries because you know just football, soccer, it's like, you know, Mexico, Brazil, they're playing this stuff all the time. These are 
Americans who have been um, living in shelters the majority of their life and dealing with some serious mental illnesses. Like we're not, we're not winning a street soccer game against these other folks, but the women on my team like had more heart and passion than a lot of people that I played with in college. And like they, they were so, had so much pride and confidence from being a part of our team, um, which was interesting because it was separate of their ability to play. Like they were getting a lot of these um, self-esteem and sort of like character qualities aside from their actual ability to play, but just being there. And, um, and they, you know, they love the game. It's what they were living for. Like if you ask them what they were, they tell you they were a soccer player, but then they might run in the wrong direction. Like, you know, uh, they didn't care about losing. They didn't care about winning, but this was what made them not want to give up. And so, um, seeing that lack of soccer experience, but them still getting out all of the things that you'd want someone to get out of being on a team and playing a sport. Uh, when I came back home, it was like, I lived around so many women who were, you know, taking on their kids by themselves, leaving an abusive relationship, trying to deal with sobriety. Like they're ready to give up every day. And so we're like, well, good news is you don't even have to be good at soccer. The other good news is that as long as you're homeless, you qualify. <laughs> the last part of the good news is you don't even, yeah, you don't have to be good. Like, can we get you a passport? And you could have some of these experiences that might give you something to look forward to, give you a way to connect with other women in a positive way. And then, um, like, can we keep you sober for your kids? And the potential uh, swagger, right? Like, it's going to get you something that's going to motivate you beyond, you know, yeah. the court, obviously. But it would it would provide a potential release almost like a, a way to build up self-esteem, but at the same time do it through a meaningful sport or a meaningful game. Yeah. They, they signed up cause they wanted a trip, but what they got out of it was, and also you think about women who have been on the streets or like it's competitive, you know, they're not making friends. Most of the women I knew in rehab and at this transitional, they didn't know how to have close friendships with other women. Um, and I didn't, realized that I didn't know that was so weird until it was like I didn't have that problem because I'd played sports before so these women had just never had opportunity to play anything together as a team so the concept of like us being different but working towards the same goal was they were oblivious to that and you know they're building a new life so it's critical to be able to build new relationships especially with people you have something in common with to be successful and so when we started having these practices a couple times a week and, you know, conversations, like they kind of joined the team the way I joined Sac State. It was like, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to, you know, do my thing and get out. And then what happened was they ended up building really close relationships and um, supporting each other on and off the field with each other's kids as they got new jobs. You know, and then by the time we go to a tournament, like they had just like life changing experience um, that impacted them beyond that. Um, no, that tournament, but also like what we saw was playing soccer gave them a chance to learn about themselves because it created opportunities that life didn't have for them. Like um, being a leader or uh, being able to show up for a teammate or like just trying your hardest. They didn't really have a job. They didn't have some of these things that where they could learn about um, the kind of character they had. So this was a place for them to kind of see who they really were and then take that person into the world instead of taking what the world has taught them about themselves 
bringing it to soccer. So that was probably the most meaningful thing, but the trips and the tournaments and the games and, you know, how you feel after running around playing soccer, that was kind of like the carrot. Um, the really good stuff happened, I think, when they weren't even, you know, expecting it. We, we actually didn't know what was going to happen, um, but it, it was really cool. So after the World Cup, you became tied to street soccer in a sense. What has it been like working for uh, the organization? Oh, man, I love my job. Uh, I've never enjoyed working except for in this job. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I love it. Uh, we have a really cool culture across the country. You know, we're a national nonprofit, so we've got um, chapters in New York, San Francisco, East Coast, West Coast, some of the mid. Um, but the the people I work with, like the different program leaders are amazing. It's, it's very accepting. We've got like a big array of diversity, a range of diversity. Um, and people that are running their city programs have gotten involved in a way where like, it's like in our blood, you know? Uh, so that's fun to have a strong team. Our events are so fun. I, I am so grateful that I get a coach to the Homeless World Cup every year, go to our national cups, because that those are the reminders that like, we're making a difference. Um, so the, the fundraisers are, fun, you know, building fields in Sacramento is super cool. Like, I love that. Um, and then coaching and working with the people, like we get to, um, we introduce the game of soccer to the majority of the people we work with. And that's exciting to me. Like whether they're six or 10 or 45 or 50, like being able to give something to someone that they can love is like really cool. And it's so simple. It's like, let's just pass, you know, it's not, uh, it's not a hard thing to share, which is why I've stuck in street soccer so long. Cause you're like, well, if it was harder to do, it'd be easier to walk away from. But, um, this, the simple part of the program is that it's really just playing and teaching people the game. The harder parts are fundraising. And there's always the insecurity of like being a nonprofit, you know, like, we don't raise the money. Like we can't do the things we want to do. So that's a bit uncomfortable often. Um, and I didn't have any experience in this job or doing my job before this. We've just kind of learned it as we go. Um, but there's really fun parts that are like, I feel very lucky all the time to work with the people we get to work with, have the hands-on impact. And then it's like around the game, but we don't have to win. I like that a lot. <laughs> it's like, you kind of lose the pressure of like, you know, the, the pressure is on other things and that's building the relationships and getting people to get invested about themselves. And, you know, you want them to feel like they can confidently be a part of a community and that they have something to give back. And you see a lot of parents like get their kids back and their kids, you know, every, for every parent that stays sober, like for a year, two years, those kids are getting a more stable life. And that's because we're having soccer practices. It's like crazy to me. So, um, yeah, I love it. It's, it's, uh, it's challenging, but it's super, super rewarding and fun. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, it, it is, luckily, I think, it, like, I, I've said it a lot before, but, you know, luckily we have a sport that anybody could play. I mean, you don't even need a soccer ball. It could be a volleyball. Mm -hmm. It could yeah. be anything. <laughs> and then the backpack or whatever, two other things just to create your, yeah. your goal marks and you're set. <laughs> yeah. You play anywhere. So it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, so Lisa, for all of our listeners who are new to this idea, what is the mission and values behind street soccer? 
So um, Street Soccer USA, we're, we're basically just trying to build community and um, help people out of poverty through the game. Our mission statement is using the power of soccer to help people of all ages discover their strengths um, so they can take positive steps forward in their lives. And that can look like employment, education, sobriety, mental health, housing. Um, you know, and our, our culture and our, our values is that it's like anybody can do it. We want everybody to have access. We believe everybody has the right to have access to play and a safe place to play. Um, and, you know, have a coach and have a team and have that support system that, you know, I really believe it shouldn't be a privilege to play. I think that's ridiculous. Like it is like a, an essential thing to a person, um, kid or adult to be able to have joy or, you know, that freedom. And so, you know, we believe everybody has a right to that. And so we're trying to do our part in that um, and at least have a little bit more of a support system because we know like you can't do stuff by yourself. You know, you, people can, but it's hard. You can't play soccer entirely by yourself either. Um, you know, and you can have just, you can be different than your teammates and still work towards one goal. Um, and so I think those are the, the things that we really try to communicate and build into our, the kids that we work with, it's like, let's have fun and then let's learn from it. Um, but there's, you know, there's a lot to win besides just the game. And I think we try to focus on those things too. But it is fun when we win. It's not often, but it's worth celebrating. <laughs> Definitely. Anytime you can win is always a, is a special time. <laughs> I, I can I can only imagine and speak for myself that winning solves a lot of problems, but there seems like there's more more that is solved from street soccer than just a, a result, and that's I think that's the positive, right? When you, when you look at what you're working with or your your audience or the participants, at the end of the day, if they're leaving with a smile and they found relevance or they found some form of a meaning through mm -hmm. their activity in the sport, that definitely changes. Uh, a person's vision or a person's value to themselves. And I think that's something that you guys are doing really well. Thanks. Yeah. Hope is a powerful thing. And uh, what we're learning is it doesn't take that much to create it for somebody, but without it, you know, it's, it's a tough, um, it's a tough way to, to go through life. Yeah, definitely. Um, and one of the things that you think about, we, we recently just had the big day of giving and that was this last Thursday. Um, and we are currently in the process of doing a silent auction as well with uh, CC and uh, Abby Fangold and some training that will be done on zoom. So the question for the community is what will this donation on top of the proceeds from the big day of giving, how is that going to help street soccer uh, for soccer USA and Sacramento? And what does the outcome look like as it relates to these? Yeah, I mean, first off, thanks for, for supporting us in that effort. Um, I mean, everything that we fundraise for right now, every donation is going to go to make sure that we can support the youth that we work with and the adults that we work with. Um, it looks a little different right now because we're not having physical practices, but we're reaching out, we're having Zoom meetings, we're just making sure most of the people we work with are already in a crisis. And so we're just... The COVID is a, just an additional one for them. So we want to like, we're doing everything we can to make sure they have the support and resources to um, stay stabilized as much as they can and not go backwards and not lose all the progress they've built. 
Um, but when we can play soccer again, we, we're going to be opening up a new park um, on Broadway and 8th Street that will be available to the community and um, donations will help us with programming for that so we can make it free for the youth that live across the street, um, the adults experiencing homelessness that we work with and do some job training and employment opportunities that way. Um, but it really just goes to supporting the folks we work with and trying to make a community for them, uh, create that community that's gonna keep them moving forward. Yeah, it's, it's great to, to see all the new uh, soccer fields, you know, coming around town. And, you know, we, we're excited. We're excited, for, especially for the one that you were telling us about too and, and getting to see how all that, that'll be like. So it's time for everyone's favorite segment, uh, yeah. the new Glory Rapid Fire question time. So let me explain how this works. So Lisa, we're going to be asking you 10 questions. Uh, you won't know what question will come after until you answer it. Uh, we do once in a while now allow the, a skip for a question that you can come back later if you don't know the answer to it just yet. But okay. that's how it works. You can only skip twice as well. So uh, most people have sometimes skipped once, I think. Some people haven't skipped, but, you know, we've had a mixture of, of different results here. Okay. So tonight's Rapid Fire is brought to you by New Glory Beer. Check them out online at newglorybeer.com for all of their new specials, like their Three West Friends package or their family dinner specials. You can also follow them on social media at New Glory Brewery. All right. So the first question that we have is sushi or pizza? Oh, sushi. It's the crest of the Sacramento Republic or the California storm. Oh, I mean, I gotta say storm because we're doing this. <laughs> uh, what's the coolest soccer experience that you've had? Homeless World Cup, Brazil, Rio de Janeiro. What club outside of America do you support? Barca. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> She's off the show. <laughs> he, he was expecting Manchester United or Celtic. Or, or Celtic, yeah. Oh, no, no. I've seen the Celtics, though. They're awesome. Yeah. So, so the, this is one question that we've asked lately, and there's there's a response that we're kind of hoping for. Um, who is the Joe Buck of American soccer pundit? So, like, the worst soccer pundit in America, essentially. <laughs> I I don't know who the worst is, but Alexi bugs me. Is that the one? He yeah, drives me crazy, man. Okay. Uh, good, good answer. Um, what impact will COVID have on the soccer world when this is said and done? I think it will make us appreciate the game more and like how critical it is to, to have this, this game in our lives. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's making us be more appreciative about the game. And I can only take so much uh, FIFA video games. I think I've had me enough too. already. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, so what is the go-to food cell or hardcore boot? I'll say Copa. Copa, Copa hardcore boot. Yeah. Could the U.S. women's national team beat the U.S. men's national team in a best-of-five series? Uh, I think it's possible. I don't know about if our goalie could stop their shots, but I think we could we could do some some work around them. So especially, I think if, if we do a let's see who qualifies to the World Cup challenge, right? No. <laughs> 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 I mean, I mean they're, they're going to qualify for twenty twenty six, but that's already a given. So let's see how see how they do for this next one. <laughs> see, hopefully, it's not another disappointment. <laughs> uh, 
So what impact do you think that downtown MLS stadium is going to have on Sacramento? Oh, I mean, I think it'll just be a really great hub and just it's going to be add on to the culture that we already have. Um, I think soccer is already embedded in, in the majority of people's lives out here, and it's just going to amplify that more. It's, it's going to be amazing. If you could experience a soccer match live, what would it be and who is involved? I would like to see um, a Women's World Cup game, like a split the, split the pool of players up and have them play each other. Almost like an all-star game of a uh, World Cup? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Take like the 99ers against like, but they're, that's so not, they're too old now. Like that wouldn't be fair at all. <laughs> You like, dare I dare you to say that to CZ's face. I mean, I've played with her and she's phenomenal, but there is something to like being able to, you know, run up and down that field on that wing for, <laughs> you know, CZ distributes. She's smart. She's, she's got like the, the She's like the old man playing basketball, right? He could hit yeah. every single jump shot, but he's like the least like I don't know, he's not engaged, but he every time he gets the Brock, he's just going to hit that jumper from 15, well, 20 she's, feet. She's so much smarter. And it's like, because when you become older, you become smarter. You know, you would just have to throw them, okay, I got you, 99ers with the current team, but you'd have to mix them. Like, you'd have to give, split it up a little bit. So here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a second. I'm going to pause our rapid fire. I'm going to recruit you. <laughs> CC called me out. We... Her and I used to play against each other in Martinez futsal. Okay. And so in our club feud that we had a few nights ago, she challenged me to uh, basically dusting off the old uh, futsal boots, and she wants to she wants to play again. Oh, so I have shit. to come up with four. So are you in? Are you on my team? I mean, yeah, she's she's good at futsal. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Yeah. She she makes me up pretty Woo. good. She, yeah, she makes, yeah. That's why we have to play again. I need to rematch. Okay, and just to be—I wasn't right. saying I'm better than CC. I was just saying no. that we would have to throw the other team some youngsters. This time we're actually gonna have some recording, so anything that happens, we actually have have proof, right? Uh, yeah, like last exactly. time. So last time the security guard at that like indoor facility, like there was some questionable things going on there. I, I think he he got bribed. I think to make sure that tape was deleted forever. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Cool. Um, so this is uh, one of our favorite uh, rapid fire questions to ask, but if you could start a team with four players from any era of soccer, past or present, from anywhere in the world, who are you signing? I would love to play with some of the Brazilian players from like the maybe two World Cups ago. I would so love to Mar play with Marta. Mm -hmm. I feel like Rooney would have been really fun to play with. He wasn't on that squad with that guy. Like, he, that guy's a hustler. Yeah, with women's team, I think it, I would have learned a lot from playing with, like, a different culture. One that grew up more in the grassroots style versus, like, you know, starting out so technical, so young. All right, well, that concludes Rapid Fire and brings us to last call. So, Lisa, what does community mean to you? I mean, it's, community means something you know, that everybody can belong to, that they can feel invested in, and I think add value to as well. Um, we're going to be building um, a new park downtown on Broadway and 8th Street. Um, and its purpose is to bring the community together um, across all socioeconomic backgrounds through 
the love of the game. Um, part of that means we have to introduce the lower income side to the game because it's not something that's a part of their lives. But um, we hope to have like a hub of, you know, two street soccer fields and a place people can spend their weekends and their evenings at. And it's not about what you do outside of playing soccer. It's about what you do when you're playing soccer. And so we can kind of throw stigmas aside and it doesn't matter what you do for your job or what your education is. It's like, do you like soccer or not? And um, use that to connect people because we know that it works. Um, but I think that there's always room to strengthen communities. I wish we didn't have to create subcultures, but there's got to be something that we can all um, have in common to start. And so to me, soccer is one of the easiest things to get people to fall in love with. So I think that's a good starting point um, for us. I feel confident that like we can build that community around it. Um, and, you know, once people like the game, like I think that's all that can matter often. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, I, I know firsthand uh, I've invited uh, some friends down to Republic games and, you know, their friends who they don't really, they're not really into the sport of soccer. And then once I take them to a game, game ends, and they just come out saying that, wow, like I really like the sport now and I want to come <laughs> watch another game. So it's, it's amazing. I, I think it, it takes people like the fact that if they play or if they go watch a game, to maybe you know like start following it more and i think with, with the program like street soccer usa i think you could really accomplish that and you can really get more people to to get into the game and it's it's amazing i mean there's a reason why they call it the, the beautiful game so it's 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 great to, to see that being reflected here with with street soccer so lisa how can people get a hold of you and also street soccer um yeah, we, we always are looking for any people to get involved, volunteers, if people have connections like for funding and sponsorships. Um, my email is lisa, L-I-S-A, at streetsoccerusa.org. You can follow us on Facebook, um, Street Soccer USA Sacramento. We have an Instagram, Street Soccer Sac. Um, so any one of those avenues um, can get a hold of me. Like I said, we're, you know, we're always looking for opportunities to meet new people and like you know, introduce our, our club and our organization to whoever wants to be a part of it. So I'm um, more than welcome to, to have some conversations with people or when we have the new park open, get people out there to try it out, play, see if they want to come back. But I think they will. Once you're, once you're there, you're, you're hooked, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the idea. Well, it should be fun. We, we look forward to having the opportunity to come down there and play and, and, you know, make a mess of the, of the park a little bit by, <laughs> Hooting and hollering and having some fun, but we'll see. So, uh, Lisa, we, we appreciate you taking the time uh, today to join us and have this conversation. And we look forward to more opportunities to do this uh, once soccer uh, comes live and we can actually come together as a community. So thank you for, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And, yeah, I cannot wait to play again. It's killing me. <laughs> It's, I think that's the way all of us feel. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they, they call it, it's not the COVID-19, it's like the COVID-20, I think is what, what the what the joke on the street is. Everybody's gaining 20, 25 oh, pounds yeah. from this thing. Yeah. We used to have the freshman 15, now we got the COVID-20. So yeah. uh, once we get started with soccer, it'd be nice. Definitely. So Lisa, again, thank you for uh, joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Have a good night, you guys. You as well. Thank you, Lisa. You too. Today's guest is brought to you by the Mikuni Dreamline. Mikunia is offering $15 off your order of the platter and has now made it easy to order with the Mikunia app. Please make sure to pre-order, 
stay in your car when you arrive, and they'll deliver your meals straight to your car. Visit them today at mikunisushi.com or download their app, available in the App Store. So again, thank you to Lisa for taking the time to join us today. Uh, For those of you who aren't familiar, we can be found on Facebook. We have a group for uh, Sacramento soccer fans. So where we talk everything soccer within Sacramento. We also have our own Facebook page that is designated to the podcast. That is Sacktown FC podcast. We can also be found at Sacktown FC on Twitter and Instagram. And for those of you who are... Gamer. Whoa, 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 John. Whoa. You cannot forget about our amazing partners, California Storm. You can find them on their website at calstormsoccer.com. You can also find them on Instagram and Twitter, both on as at calstormsoccer. You can also find them on Facebook under California Storm. Please check them out. Please support them. When their season comes back out, please go out to their games. They play same stadium as Republic. Papa Murphy's Park. So please, please go out there and support them when their season comes back. We also now are in the video game industry with Twitch. You can find us on Twitch at Sacktown FC, where we are playing FIFA and Luis sometimes playing Fortnite, but that's a different story. You can find us on Xbox at Sacktown FC. Luis's uh, avatar is the rabbit with a tie on. Or you can find us on PlayStation, Sacktown underscore FC, where you'll see our logo, and that is represented by me on the PlayStation 4. We also have a website, sacktownfc.com, where you can check out everything from the squadron to our new Soccer Pulse um, that is done by Seth, our writer, who is talking about the Development Academy um, closing and the potential impact that that may have on our youth going forward so check us out at sacktownfc.com also if you guys have not listened to them yet we have some episodes on liga mx uh it's under our series called sacktown mx and it's a series that's both in english and spanish our interviews have been in spanish so if you know spanish or if you're learning spanish then we invite you to check out those interviews. But once the season kicks back in, we will be doing uh, English episodes as we review uh, week by week what's going on in the league as well. So that's all we have for today's episode. Special thanks again to Lisa Reitzman for taking the time to join us today. And to you, as always, for listening to us and supporting us. And remember to have your notifications turned on as we know you would not want to miss any of our new episodes. And make sure to subscribe to us and give us some positive comments. Again, you can check out all of our episodes on our website at sacktownmc.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you again and have a great night or day, everyone. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it.